Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio. We're getting ready to record episode number 220. We've got a great show lined up for you today. In our warm-up segment, we're going to talk about our city of the week, player of the week, equipment tip of the week, did you know, have a really good listener question, and of course, Paige's power play. In our lead-off segment, we've got a really special interview that I think you're going to really love with some kids and coaches that are doing an amazing job that we're very, very happy for you to get a chance to get to know. In our cleanup topic, we were uh, going to talk about, is it bad for the college game to have such a dominant team as Oklahoma? And a whole lot of conversation that goes along with that topic. And then our coaching tip of the week, uh, we're going to talk about from a coaching perspective, how even when you do things the right way or you try to do things the right way, things don't always go the way you want them to go. And so hopefully we've got a lot of fun stuff for you to talk about and things for you to learn about today. Before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And as we say in the lead in there, make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount. It's a great way for you to help support everything fast pitch and also get an extra uh, savings on a great bat. Let's also talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. If you're in a position where you can become a patron, Coach Don and I would love for you to support us. There's three different levels of support. Um, you sign up to do a monthly payment to help support the podcast and, uh, and everything we're doing with Everything Fast Pitch and Coach Prep. Um, we've got a great group of patrons that have kept us in business, but we would love to add some more people. Um, I know everybody's in a tough spot right now, and uh, unfortunately, the podcast world is in a tough spot too. So um, if you're in a position where you can, if you see value in what we're doing, please go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch and sign up to become a patron. So, Don, in our warm-up segment, let's talk about our city of the week, Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. That's uh, fantastic. I know they're probably getting really excited about uh, summer ball here. Yep. Well, I've been to Cleveland a couple of times. It's not one of those places that I've been to dozens of times, but I've been there a few times for some tournaments and things. Biggest memory I have of Cleveland, of course, is the fictional version of Cleveland from the movie Major League. Quick little sidebar for uh, all of our Cleveland folks. We know that... uh, the story is fictionalized, but it uh, kind of puts a, a little bit of a feel for what life in Cleveland was like back then and the, the, you know, trying to support the uh, Indians at the time that right. uh, had been struggling for, for quite some time. That movie, Major League, was filmed in Milwaukee. For some reason, they couldn't use the Cleveland Stadium for the uh, field action, so they filmed it in Milwaukee. That's cool. And when they filmed that movie, I was coaching at Whitnall High School. And we decided to go down to the stadium to be extras in the movie. And they were basically on the radio begging people to come. They were doing giveaways and cookouts and all kinds of stuff. 
to get extras because this is way back before CGI and computers were able to you know fill in the crowd overlay. So when I watch Major League now, I I, I have to laugh because there's a couple of scenes where I see kids that I know from school um, that are in the scenes that you can actually see and identify. And there's three or four times that I can show you where we're sitting <laughs> and you know kind of the area that we're in, but we're so far away from the field or Just so far away from the camera that we kind of we, we kind of blend in. But so that was uh, uh, my opportunity to uh, try to be famous. Of course, didn't end up being famous for it. Loved being involved with the, the filming of Major League, even though uh, we were portraying Cleveland fans, we were doing it from Milwaukee. But uh, obviously the numbers jumped in Cleveland. Uh, it's always exciting for us when we see that. Please tell the people you know that are fast pitch fans, that are coaches, players, uh, parents, about everything fast pitch and coach prep. If uh, they come and listen to us one time, I think they'll come back, and that's what we're looking for. It's, uh, it's great for us to see the numbers increasing, and anything we can do to uh, see that happen, uh, we certainly do appreciate your help. And congratulations, Cleveland, Ohio. You're the city of the week. Our player of the week this week is Isabella Tanner, and Isabella's a young player. She's in a 10U rec league. And one of the reasons that she was nominated is she's one of those kids that just really loves the game, is doing all that she can, really had to rise to the occasion. She's a catcher, a young player that uh, is learning how to play that position. And they uh, were playing on a a record-setting, super hot, miserable, kids were falling out kind of day. She sucked it up and and kept fighting to make sure that uh, her team had a chance to play and play well throughout the course of the day and ended up. Uh, facing the ultimate challenge at that age, a pitcher who was struggling and the winning run at third base late Ah, in the game. There you go. And she turned into that brick wall, that proverbial brick wall, and kept blocking balls and knocking balls down and keeping balls in play and ended up allowing their team to have a chance to get that that hitter out. So obviously we we wanted to recognize Bella um, for just digging deep when it it had to happen to help her team to sacrifice and and work hard and and do a really good job when the pressure was on. And so congratulations, Bella. Isabella Tanner, you are the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. Isabella, great job. So Don, our equipment tip of the week, let's talk about the Square Cuts training disc. Yeah, Tori, again, the discs have been great. We we hit them each day at the cage here. And uh, again, giving kids feedback on whether or not they hit it squarely giving them feedback on top and bottom. Again, it's just an easy tool for us to use to uh, create variety in a safe way for our really expensive, high-performing bat. And uh, it's just an exciting option for everybody. And if you don't have a set, you need a set, check it out. You can use them for multiple different uh, practice plans and tools, uh, you know, for different skills. But Everybody needs a set, Tori. Yeah, the uh, Square Cuts training disc is a really versatile tool. Um, Coach Don and I are very proud of the fact that we uh, developed it, brought it to market, and uh, very excited to see um, so many people taking advantage of our idea. Um, It's great for hitting, but it's great for a lot of other things. They are $49.95 a dozen. You can order them by going to the fastpitchprep.com website. When you get there, you click on the order button. It'll take you through the stages, and we'll get them shipped out to you right away. And we've got them here in stock and ready to send. Uh, so there's no supply chain issues, no uh, worries about getting them. They'll, they'll get to you uh, ASAP. And we're very, very proud of them. So again, go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your Square Cuts training disc. So Don, did you know Oklahoma was not Jocelyn Allo's first choice? Is that right? Interesting. Yes. There's been a lot of uh, her backstory and her life story uh, been uh, 
playing over and over again now with the uh, College World Series wrapping up and with Oklahoma winning their uh, national championship. And one of the things that was uh, kind of an ironic twist that her first choice was University of Oregon when Coach Mike White was the coach there. That is very interesting. And now just to kind of give this some perspective for our uh, listeners, this was going on back a few years ago when uh, everybody was recruiting really young players. So I think Jocelyn was 13-ish when this was all going on. She was on the radar very early. Right. And basically the way I understand it, that throughout the course of the process, uh, Oregon filled a couple of positions. They were really looking for a catcher, and that wasn't really her number one position. So they basically had to say thanks, but no thanks. Mike White was quoted as saying that that might have been the worst day of his coaching career that he decided the that worst uh, yeah, the, 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 the yeah. worst choice you had to make. The worst tough choice you ever had to make. But you know, one of the things in the recruiting business is that kind of thing happens all the time. You know, coaches' uh, needs and what they need for their program is always changing. And so you might be recruiting a player because you really love the shortstop and then find out that you really need a pitcher, you really need a catcher. Something can change in, in a blink of an eye. And a player that you really love is somebody that you just can't offer a scholarship to because you only have so many scholarships to give. Yeah. She ended up committing to University of California, to uh, Cal, planning on going there, partly, I think, because she wanted to get even with Oregon for not, <laughs> not uh, recruiting her. Going to show and, them. Yeah. And then towards the end of her recruiting process, when she was a little bit older, started to get some interest from Oklahoma, and Oklahoma had just won a national championship, and I think one thing led to another. I also know that a big part of it was that Oklahoma was uh, uh, planning a trip to Hawaii so that uh, Jocelyn could play in front of her family and friends at home. And of course, that couldn't have worked out better for her and for Oklahoma. That's where she broke the home run record record was in Hawaii. So just one of those crazy things. But did you know Jocelyn Allo could have been a a duck? She could have been a bear, but she ended up being maybe one of the best Sooners of all time and uh, obviously a uh, multiple-time national champion at the University of Oklahoma. That's a pretty cool story. Yeah. So uh, Don, our listener question this week, comes to us from Dana. And Dana's question is, my daughter is a pitcher, but she's also the shortstop. And quite often this year, she's had to go straight from shortstop to the mound because things are going wrong for the team on while they're on defense. She doesn't feel like she's really warm. So it's almost like she has to use pitches to hitters as her warm-up pitches because she gets five or seven warm-up pitches when she comes in, and that's just not enough. So what do we think she should be doing? Well, Tori, what a joy it is to be a player that uh, you know can help the team in the circle when needed. Again, that's one of those deals where being prepared is part of you know that, that role. And I can remember back often when we would have an infielder that would do that, that would actually basically be windmilling or, or warming up instead of taking ground balls. Especially yeah. when there was an opportunity, you know, presenting that that they might be needed, and just to stay loose that way, it's kind of a tough role. And you know, hopefully she's not having to throw tons of innings um, because that is wearing on you if you're constantly loosening up. But again, the typical person that comes in has been down in the bullpen. Right. Well, we're on defense. You know, they're down in the bullpen throwing as much as they need, and kind of uh, taking their time getting ready and then hustling that last little bit when it looks like they're going to come when, in when and, it's really going to happen basically going through like a real warm-up versus the shortstop who's out there fielding a ground ball one second <laughs> then throwing a pitch the next throwing overhand to underhand so yeah so i would say you know when when it seems like it's going to be needed that we're windmilling instead of taking ground balls well and i think there's a, a bunch of things that uh, i would would recommend and and dana this is 
one of those good news, bad news things. It's great that your daughter has the versatility to do both, you know, playing uh, two gigantically important positions and helping the team be successful. But the bad news part of it is that she really needs to be preparing for both positions every game and kind of all game long. So if she knows she's going to be the number one relief pitcher today, if she didn't start the game, but she's playing shortstop, I would say she needs to go through a a fairly good pitching warm-up before the game even starts. I know that's a challenge because she's got to fit in getting her ground balls in and her swings in and all that other stuff, Uh, but she definitely needs to find some time to throw some pitches, start a warm-up routine there. And depending upon how things are going and and the situation in the game, she might need to grab somebody and, you know, go to the bullpen or go outside the fence and throw some pitches when we're on offense a couple of times during the course of the game. So again, she's thrown some pitches. And I know it means a lot more work. I know it means she's going to be you know, dedicating herself to doing something that might or might not be necessary, but I'd much rather have her doing that and feel that much closer to ready so that maybe that five or seven warm-up pitches does feel like, hey, I'm pretty ready now. I've been throwing enough throughout the course of the game, been throwing my pitches enough throughout the course of the game that I feel like I can go in and do a job. I was going to say, Tori, too, and as you're, as you're talking about that, I guess it depends if she's the, the third pitcher in line or the fifth pitcher in line you right. know, to how much we're going to do and, and for the coaches to kind of relay, hey, we're going to go to you next because we need, you know, Susie for the next game and, right. and Michelle for the game after that. You know, so it really depends on what the coaches are intending to do right. on how much maybe, but uh, and, and hopefully I, and they that, communicate. Yeah. And I think that communication piece is an important part of it. And so if your daughter's coaches are being upfront about, hey, you're number one in relief today, um, you know, if something Time goes to get wrong, it going. yeah, then, then you know for sure if, if it's one of those just everything goes wrong kinds of days and she was third or fourth in line, but she still needs to pitch. That's where I think it was kind of her responsibility throughout the course of the game to make sure she's thrown a little bit so that she's not just going in ice cold, hasn't thrown a pitch in an hour or two or maybe even all day and then trying to warm up in just a handful of pitches. Great thought. Um, yeah. but we, would, we would have this discussion though with all our players. And so it's not just that person who might be coming in to pitch. You know, one of the things that is kind of a universal thing, you see it when you watch the game. In between innings, the players who are not in the lineup always have some sort of a routine. They run down to the corner, you know, they, you know, they do something and they then they come back, you know, they're doing something to stay warm, to stay active. And sometimes it's just kind of a filler. They're not really doing much except just whatever the team requires that they do. You know, in between innings, you run down and you touch the fence and you run back. But what I would recommend is, if I'm a player on that team and I'm not in the starting lineup, yeah, I'm going to do that part, but I'm also going to grab a bat and take some dry swings on, on the side. I'm going to grab my partner and go on the side and make some throws or throw a few pitches or whatever it is that my position is so that I'm more ready to do something if I get called on. If I'm maybe going to be in a pinch hit situation later in the game, I don't want the last time I've touched my bat to have been in pregame warmups. I think it should be five or six dry swings every half inning in between the switchover, you know, that kind of thing, so that we're all getting in the habit of doing something more productive and more tied to what we're likely to do. The other thing that it does is it plants that seed in your coach's mind. If we start to get late in the game and we need somebody to pinch hit, if I've seen Sally take dry swings, you know, eight times today because she's really getting ready to hit. She's been studying the pitcher and, and working on getting ready to hit. Or 
somebody else who runs down in the corner and, and sunflower seeds and, at the end of the and, bench and, and uh, <laughs> giggles and laughs and yeah. then runs back and and you know goes back in the dugout and yeah. grabs a handful of sunflower seeds or a, a thing of snacks or whatever it is um, <laughs> i know which one i'm probably more likely to choose to get that pinch hitting opportunity and so um, say nothing against sunflower seeds and snacks no i mean yeah, there, yeah. there's a time and a place for everything but yeah. i but i guess the the point is that you need to have a routine, said a routine. Yeah. yeah that that has you as prepared as you possibly can and obviously if you know it's likely you're going to be pitching then part of your in-game routine has to be being <laughs> at least close to ready to pitch on a moment's notice i was going to say and as you're talking about all those things tory it makes me think about uh, that pinch hit batter not knowing what the pitcher's doing are they jamming everybody on the hands or are they throwing a great rise ball or or have an amazing changeup that shouldn't be a shocker if you get called upon to, to go into bat to right. kind of have a plan, right? Yeah, you shouldn't be figuring out she's got a, a really good changeup when you're walking up to home plate. You right. probably so should have figured that out. look out for that changeup, yeah. yeah. So, so hopefully, Dana, that helps. And I know it's asking your daughter to do a little bit of extra work. Well, really, a lot of extra work. Um, but it's the best way for her to stay prepared um, and to make sure that she's ready to show it and, and, and show, show the, the world what she's capable of doing yeah. when she gets out there. And I think that's the, the thing that we're really looking for here is a way to make sure that that happens. Awesome. So Don, that's going to take us to this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey, it's Paige here. And today I want to talk a little bit about what your daughter should think about when she's not feeling confident. So if your daughter is thinking about all the things that could go wrong in her next game, like what if I fail? What if I play terrible? What if I don't make the lineup? What if I look dumb? These lies she's believing and making her not. These are lies that she's believing and not making her feel confident it's the worst, right? And I know you're just as frustrated seeing her continue to do this to herself. So rather than telling her to stop thinking like this, let's shift the focus to what she should and could be thinking about instead. First of all, remind her that these negative thoughts, doubts, worries, fears, they're totally normal. She's a normal athlete for feeling and thinking these things. She's a normal girl, a normal human. Same for you. (laughs) Bad news, these negative thoughts and doubts and worries and fears are going to continue, especially after failures and mistakes and bad games. It's just our competitive nature. The good news is she can control the thoughts that she chooses. It just takes practice. So let's just take baby steps here. Number one, just start by asking her to notice when she's saying or thinking about these negative thoughts. And then number two, help her come up with a better thought, something that she can choose when she notices and is aware of when she's being negative. Here are some examples of some affirmations. And these are actually the affirmations that make up uh, a confident athlete in my program. I am strong. I am beautiful. I am in power. I trust myself. I charge forward when things get tough. I trust my gut. I love challenges. I can do anything I set my mind to. I empower others around me. I lead with purpose. I bet on myself. I am a dreamer and a doer. I make a difference and I am important. I choose happiness. I am a warrior in competition in life. I am confident. I know there's a lot of them, (laughs) but I just love those. They're so good. If she doesn't believe in her affirmations right away, it's okay. It takes practice. Just like she practices week to week with her team or on her own physically. And this week's mindset lesson is covering exactly this, what to think about when you're not feeling confident. Since I'm on maternity leave, it's a recorded lesson with a study guide for her to practice this 
And that's the key thing here. Practice, right? So you can grab that lesson and even do it with her at my website, pagechallenge.com backslash lessons. And remember, focus on what you want to think about rather than what you don't. Same with reminding her, remind her what she, what we want her to focus on rather than what we don't. Instead of telling her, stop being negative, stop being negative. What can she do to focus on the positive and choose better thoughts? Have an amazing day, rest of your week, and I'll talk to you soon. Well, I hope our listeners are are taking in what Paige is saying and, and actually doing something with it. You know, she's got a ton of resources on her website. She's got a ton of programs going on. This stuff is all rock solid, A plus, great stuff. If your kid is playing softball, if she's doing anything and she's not involved in this kind of training to help her be more confident, to have more focus, to be able to relax, to be able to enjoy what she's doing. Feel good and enjoy it. We're we're really missing the boat. And I know, you know, times are tough and, and, you know, paying for things can be a challenge, um, but it's something that should be high on their priority list. And especially thinking about your kid's mental health and something we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, it's important for you to be paying attention to it. So, Don, hopefully more people are going to follow up and, uh, and go to pagetons.com. It's T-O-N-Z. All right. So our lead-off topic this week, Don, is brought to us by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite is located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at elitesportsorders at yahoo.com. Bats, balls, gloves, equipment, whatever you need. Reach out to the folks at Elite. They're happy to ship anywhere in the United States, and they'll be happy to hook you up with whatever you need. Um, They're good at what they do, and and we would love for you to contact the folks there and uh, let them take care of your softball needs. So, Don, got a fun interview today. We're going to talk to Coach Bo Burnett and some of his players from Rova, Williams Field. It's a community in Illinois. They're going to tell us their story and uh, the reason why we wanted to visit with them. All right, Coach Don and I are really excited this morning. We've got some special guests with us today from Rova, Williams Field Varsity Softball. Coach Bo and the team are with us today, and they've got an interesting story that they're going to share with all of you, and we're very excited that to uh, have that happen today. So, Coach Bo, welcome. Players, welcome. Uh, welcome to Everything Fast Pitch. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, give you a little background. Uh, Rova Williams Field Co-op uh, joined together in 2016, and is made up of Rova, which is Rio, uh, Oneida, Watauga, Victoria, and Altona, small farm communities uh, here in central Illinois, and the Williamsfield School District, which is a neighboring uh, school district to Rova. 2016, the two schools came together after the co-op from Galva, another small community, and Williamsfield separated. I've been a part of RW softball since that time. Started as a volunteer assistant, and this last year was able to take over the head coaching role as our head coach took a athletic director position within. Just so happened to be one of the fellow school districts that we followed after we were eliminated from the postseason this year. And then, uh, so if I'm looking at the map, the state map of Illinois, where exactly are you guys located? Because I've got uh, tons of ties to the great state of Illinois. I've been in and out uh, probably every place that you can imagine. So, so where exactly are you located? We are 20 miles uh, to the west of Peoria. Okay. And we're, we're just, uh, just about five miles north of Interstate 74. Okay, cool. Yeah, I have family uh, that lives in Sparta. Uh, it's more southern uh, Illinois 
it's kind of a, a crazy story. I, when I was coaching at Wisconsin Parkside, uh, recruited Illinois quite heavily and have uh, been up and down I-57, I-55 so many times that I could, could probably name all the uh, restaurants and gas stations on the way. So it's a, it's a, a state that the, I've got a lot of experience with. So, um, so tell us a little bit about how the season went this year, how your, how your team did. Since 2016, when I came on, we've been the second round of the regionals, if not the championship. We've been 2016 eliminated in the championship, 2017 eliminated in the second round of the regionals by North Fulton, who was the, the champs that year. 2018 eliminated in the championship, 2019, which all these girls here basically got to be a part of. We were eliminated in round one of the sectional. 2020 happened. We obviously know didn't get to have a year right. uh, season there, so we like to think we were undefeated. <laughs> 2021, we were eliminated in the Super by Orangeville, who ended up getting fourth in that. And then this year, we were eliminated in the regional championship game by uh, a neighboring community in Ridgewood, who uh, a lot of the girls have you know relationships with and ties with to travel other sports that they play this group since 2019 is 51 and 32 overall and they've hung uh two regionals and a sectional championship banner in our gym so it's a very big accomplishment the the 2021 season making it all the way to the supers was the first time that any female athletic program within our school districts had made it that far. So it was a big accomplishment for awesome. them. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. And, and obviously um, the success that you're having on the field is part of the story. But one of the things that really uh, got my attention was just the overall involvement that the team has in a, in a bigger, I guess, bigger world picture. Obviously, Coach Don and I have spent some time in the past talking about uh, the suicide issue and mental health issues. Um, that we just keep seeing more and more of these tragedies in the world of athletics, but honestly, in the world in general. Um, so how did that uh, become a rallying cry for the team? I was sitting at home and I get a text message you know, from the girls asking if I was going to be in town at any point in the day. <laughs> and when you get asked a, a vague question like that, uh, from if you learn and get to know these girls, you kind of question if you want to answer. Um, and, uh, I did, and they asked, uh, if I could pick up some ribbon. So I asked why, and they said, well, we would like to, uh, you know, tie our hair up and and make bows and, and tie our Jersey sleeves up with uh, green and purple ribbon for suicide prevention and mental health awareness. So instantly you have to say yes to that. Right. Unfortunately that day, the, the first week of May there, we had a little bit of rain and uh, they had planned actually to do this event with Illini Bluffs, who is uh, a team in our, in our, one of our conferences that we play in within our co-op, that game got rained out, but the girls decided to continue it, even though we didn't get to do it with Illini Bluffs that day, that they were going to do that for the rest of the season, however long it may take us, which we found out was uh, all the way to the regional championship. So how did uh, the the team choose that as a as a rallying point I guess uh is there some connection um or is it just an overall awareness of what was going on in the world I'll let Ava or Izzy one of the one of the masterminds maybe take on that one let them do a little bit of talking Sounds good 
Um, it was basically just an awareness. We like obviously been seeing in the media all the college athletes losing their lives to suicide, and we just thought it was a good cause to put awareness to. It says a lot, though, that I think that uh, you're paying attention to what's going on. Please don't take this the wrong way, but most of us think of high school age kids as not necessarily having much awareness of what's really really going on in the world. It was really cool, I thought, to to see the the team get behind this idea and get behind this cause and just show that you really are paying attention to what's going on and trying to get involved in, in raising awareness and, and maybe making a difference. They definitely make a difference every day here. We have multiple. This year, I mean, we have 15 girls on our varsity roster this year in 2022, and every single one of them is involved in multiple sports, uh, multiple school functions from French club to Scholastic Bowl, FCCLA, uh, UCA mission teams, robotics, pep band, multiple of them help coach the junior high volleyball and junior high softball programs as well. So they're putting their time in to help the younger girls understand that it's a process and that the, the mindset has to be confidence in myself and my abilities and my teammates and, and just work through every single day like Paige says in, in Paige's power play, that mindset is everything. Right. So, so girls, why don't you go ahead and uh, get, each one of you go ahead and give us a little bit of your story, what your uh, future is in the in softball, if you're going to be playing in school, in college when you're done with your high school career, and I guess maybe just a little bit of a introduction into some of the stuff that you're involved in, just so we get a little bit better uh, understanding of uh, of what makes you tick. I'm Ava Landon. I have been playing softball since I was probably three or four years old. And, I mean, as soon as I hit the field, I fell in love with the game. So I hope to be playing when I get in college. But I also play basketball and volleyball. And I'm a part of NHS and science club. So so, so you stay plenty busy. Yeah. Oh, I stay plenty busy. <laughs> Sounds good. Who's next? Um, I'm Izzy Nelson. I've been playing since softball since I was younger, but I did stop playing for a little bit, just losing the love of it. But then I came back last year, right before school started. So I did get to play in the school season. I don't think I'll be playing in college, but if I can, that'd be awesome. I'm in NHS, science club and French club. And I also play volleyball. Wow. All right. And, uh, who else we got? I am Maddie Nelson. I have played since I was five and started travel when I was 10. I didn't really fall in love until I was 13 when I started actually putting in the work and realizing that this is what I wanted to do. And I put in a lot of work to the point where it got me a scholarship to Aurora University, where I will study psychology and sociology to become a mental health counselor. Oh, that's, that's awesome. You have definitely been thinking about the whole suicide prevention and mental health thing from a, a little bit of a different perspective because you're seeing that as a, a potential career path then. Yeah, and I work with our school counselor here. We honestly just raise mental health awareness around here, but I started it, like, realized that I wanted to do it so late in the year that we didn't have time to do as much as I wanted to. So we have a bulletin board up by her office. I love it. I think it's there. I love it. There. That's about all I do. I don't <laughs> well, do much. It, 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 it sounds like you're doing plenty. It's a lot of good things. Yeah. I'm Emma West. I've, 
I played softball or peewee or whatever it's called <laughs> t-ball since i was little the youngest age you can play it over the years i've improved on my skills and i've just enjoyed the sport so much more i bass fish and bass fish what, what happened this year in bass fishing um we got sick for regionals and i was a part of that boat it, oh. not yeah not just part of the boat she caught every fish in that boat I caught every, yeah okay so, so you're trying to downplay your fishing skill? Is that, uh, is that it? I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm not much of a, I'm more of a catcher, not a fisher. I'm, I'm, uh, I, if I go out, I want to catch fish. If, if I don't catch something like in the first three or four minutes, it's I start to done. get aggravated. It's so all done. it yeah. sounds like you got a little bit more patience than I have. Yeah, I have a lucky worm, so I catch a lot of fish on that one worm. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, whatever it takes. I'm Avery Rigg. Um, I've been playing since I was like three or four, like Ava. I started travel when I was nine years old, and I just um, joined a more advanced team like three years ago, and we play in PGF tournaments starting this year. But I don't know if I'm going to go into softball yet for college, but I participate in FFA, NHS, Student Council, Science Club, Academic Challenge, Golf, Bass Fishing, Cheer this year. Robotics. Robotics. <laughs> Build deer blinds. Oh, and STEM. And yeah, and I have two partial jobs. Wow. I, I, I always uh, whine about being pretty busy, but it sounds like uh, I'm not that busy. We, we got a lot of them busy there, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that busy. So good deal. Well, that, that, that's awesome. Anybody else? I'm Kendra Bennett, and um, I didn't really play softball as a kid. I just started playing in like middle school. And I'll tell everyone it's not really my favorite thing to do, but I, because I won't actually ever admit that I actually enjoy it sometimes. But I started playing in like sixth grade for my dad, and now I play travel ball for the last two years. And I don't plan on doing it in college, but I wouldn't be completely opposed to it. I participate in things like FFA and student council, and I do cheer. Competition cheer this year. Yeah, competition cheer. And then I'm going to golf, and I do STEM too. Oh, science club. Sorry, <laughs> we we are we are slackers, Don. I know, yeah, right? That's it. We're just slackers. Cool. Well, we appreciate hearing your stories because I think it gives our our listeners a little bit of a feel uh, for kind of what you all have going on in your lives. Obviously, smaller schools. I think you see more and more of the athletes that are involved in a lot of different things. You know, multiple sports and 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 other things. But I think it's a it's a really cool thing to see that you're all so involved in the community and in in the school community. And obviously, it just uh, it means a lot to Coach Don and I to see people that are really in love with this game, but also just doing things the right way and 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 making a difference. And we really do appreciate y'all taking the time to spend a little bit of time with us this morning and uh, to help raise the uh, awareness level about uh, mental health and suicide awareness. Um, obviously, you know those are big hot button topics right now in the world, and and something that you know, it just means a lot for people to be a little bit more aware and and a little bit more involved because. Every time we see one of these tragic stories, you know, it just breaks everybody's heart. The only way we're going to make a difference is if people like you get involved and make a difference. It's not just you know, going to happen because somebody passes a law or some important politician or, or famous person says something. And I think it's going to make a difference when it starts at the grassroots level where young people are talking about it and, and sharing that message and, and trying to make a difference. And we really do appreciate your time this morning and and very impressed with with what you all are doing and what you're doing uh just make a difference and so we really do appreciate you and uh 
happy that you were able to spend some time with us today. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Thank you. Yeah, you guys keep it up because I think when uh, people know that there's others around that'll do things for you, they might be more open to reach out. And I think it's exciting that you guys are are out there for them. So, yeah. And, when, yeah, and especially I think it you know for some of the younger people that listen, you know, the a lot of the kids uh, listen while dad's listening on the way to the ballpark or whatever. To hear how involved you all are and all the stuff you've got going on, I think some yeah. of our kids will stop being slackers too and, and maybe do a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, and Coach Bo, you got a, a great group there. We do. I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. So, Don, next time I think I'm busy, I'm going to think about what those kids are doing and I'm going to shut up. What a great group of uh, softball players and, and just students yeah, all, just all around. All around kids that are really getting involved. And, and we've talked about the suicide prevention and uh, mental health awareness. One of the things that uh, we're going to be doing is making a donation um, to support one of the suicide prevention and awareness uh, groups here in the state of Georgia. And uh, Coach Bo and his crew have, have agreed to do the same, and they're going to uh, make a, a similar donation. And so we're going to get going on that because it's something that we really believe in. Um, every time we see one of these tragic stories, it just breaks your heart. And to see young people getting involved and trying to make a difference just meant a lot. And I really do uh, appreciate their time and, and the fact that they got with us today. So, Don, that's going to take us to our cleanup topic, which is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And, Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com. And they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. So Don got a listener question, but it really felt much more like a real big topic, more so than a quick little answer to a question. Right. So Chrissy wanted to know, if we feel it's bad for the college game to have such a dominant team. Well, that's that's real pertinent right now. Yeah, well, and for anybody who doesn't know, Oklahoma won the national championship last night in pretty comfortable, convincing, comfortable pretty fashion. convincing fashion. Oklahoma was the number one team in the preseason rankings. They were number one all year long. They lost three games uh, during the entire season and really played outstanding against Texas in the uh, championship series and and uh, kind of made it look easy. Won both games convincingly. So, um, so Don, is a team like Oklahoma bad for the college game? Well, here's my thought on it, Tori, is that somebody's going to dominate each year. And if it's a team like Oklahoma that's there all the time, I think it's okay. I think it's kind of fun to have a team that we're all trying to aspire to beat and to be better than and to work harder than and to recruit more than and you know all those things i think that's kind of exciting i know me personally i'm i'm always kind of pulling for an underdog right. I, I want that next group to to jump in there in there and get it and you know this year wasn't that year but they sure showed glimpses and signs of uh, a possibility because even the games that uh, oklahoma ended up winning you know people scored five runs on them right. so to me that's just the difference of being able to shut down their their offense and then we can get them right yeah um but they you know you got to take your hat off to them because they're just solid they're top to bottom good all around yeah. and um they're proving it every yeah. year well and, and last night's uh final game to me was kind of the just summed up 
how good this team really is. Offensively, defensively, pitching the, the whole nine yards. In the first inning, Texas had a chance to really jump up big. Break they had scored open. two runs. And then on consecutive batters, Jada Coleman, the center fielder for Oklahoma, robbed two consecutive hitters of home runs. The first one, I think it was going out, but it was right at the edge. I think it was going to go over the fence, but it was you know a great play, but not that like, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I just saw. And then 20 seconds later, she turned around and made that, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I just saw. She went way up over the fence and yanked that thing back in. Right then and there, you have you know the difference between why they're so good and other teams that are really good. And you're um, talking about a center fielder. Right, center fielder who is a left-handed shortstop coming up through the ranks of Athletic, the travel ball world yeah. and might be the starting shortstop if she went someplace other than Oklahoma, but obviously Oklahoma's so amazingly deep that, you know, that she's now a great center fielder. But she basically swung the momentum, swung the balance of the game in the very first inning. Now, if Texas goes up four, is it a different game? Probably. Right. Yeah, I mean, now, does that keep Oklahoma from coming back and winning? I mean, who knows? But I know for sure that when you see those kinds of things happening, just a glimpse into why that program is so strong and why those players are all so successful. Now, I've had the good fortune of getting to know Coach Gasso a little bit over the years, did some camps and clinics and coaches stuff with her. Always super impressed. You know, even back before they were She's winning national together. championships, yeah. you knew this was a coach that really was doing things the right way. Well, now we've got the perfect storm of what's going on in Oklahoma. Now, just kind of give it some perspective. 40 plus. Now, the two championship games, they waived the run rule for the championship series, but both of those would have been run rule wins if they still had the run rule in effect. Sure. So they had 40, more than 40 of their wins this year were run rule games, which means that they beat 40 of the teams they played by at least eight runs. Crazy. Okay. They had more home runs than they had strikeouts as a team. That's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy how, yeah. how successful they are. Now, are they the best team ever? Well, they're one of the best for sure. It's hard to, for me to really say that any one team Past is better. Yeah, yeah, because you know, back in the day, UCLA was winning national championships. Arizona was winning national championships like it was their birthright. Like you know, It was one of those two won it every year, and everybody else were, was just pretending. So, uh, and they had amazing teams. You know, Teams that had Lisa Fernandez and Jenny Finch on it certainly can hold a candle to other teams you know, in, in how best. great are they. Yeah, you know, yeah. Arizona had that one year with Jenny Finch. I think they won 40-some straight games or whatever it was. And, you know, so obviously there's just a lot of history, but I think, you know, for people that are kind of freaking out now and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this is bad for the game. Oklahoma's so good. You know, it's not even fun to watch these games. They're just killing people. I think you're missing the point. And part of the point is over the course of softball, NCAA Division I softball, there have been big stretches where teams have been dominating. UCLA and Arizona, like I mentioned before, you know, Florida, Florida won back to back. Yeah. Alabama's been in there. Alabama's in that mix all the time. And so the, the fact that Oklahoma now is the hot team, I don't think is bad for softball because I think this is what's going to happen. Everybody else is going to have to step it up. Yeah. And because if anybody thinks it's bad now, I have news for all of our fans and all of our listeners that are college softball fans, Oklahoma is going to get better. Right, And the reason they're going to get better is because this school is totally 100% committed to having the very best softball team they can possibly have. They're going to be building 
you know, the $25 million megaplex of softball with the greatest stadium, the greatest amenities, the greatest training facilities, the greatest you know, hitting building, the greatest everything. And what best player in the country doesn't want to go there? Right. And and here's the thing, you know, for anybody that, that doesn't really know. Now, Heinz Field, where they play now, is a nice field. But compared to what they're going to have, it's like, you know, night and day. It, you know, it's a nice... Dream it and it's yeah. going to happen. Well, yeah. they're going to go from being able to get some of, if not the best players in the country to come to Norman for what they have now. Well, how much more attractive, as you said, Don, is it going to be when they've got the greatest facility, the best coach, best coaching staff, and all this stuff. That, all the support. You know, the, and and yeah. a school that's so, so obviously behind them. Patty Gasso's the number one highest paid coach in America because Oklahoma wants to win. And, and because she's proven that she's worthy of it. But how many other schools are willing to do that to make that commitment to do what it takes to have that kind of success? And with that kind of support, Tori, there's tons of behind-the-scene things that are amazing for kids to have at their disposal, whether right. it's nutritional things, um, therapy things, all these extra little things that they're committed to doing right. um, You know, to back that program is is really going to be amazing. Yeah, and and having been to uh, Oklahoma City and been to Norman and looking at that community, you know they love Sooner softball. And so you know the whole NIL thing, which you know is you know kind of changing the landscape of college athletics. Everybody's yeah. waiting to see how that's going to go. Yeah. yeah, but in the future, I can't picture that somebody like Jocelyn Allo isn't going to be sitting pretty with you know, sponsorship deals and, and speaking engagements and things like that because of her connections to Oklahoma. Now that's going on at a lot of places. You know, a lot of schools are able to, you know, to see that happening for their athletes, but a community like that, that is that in love with that program, you know, that that's going to be part of the picture too. So they're going to just keep getting better. Now I think it was kind of a ironic twist the SEC wanted Oklahoma and Texas for football more than anything else. You know, they can say right. all they want to about the other sport, but it's really a football-driven financial thing. Move, um, yeah. To, to get those two schools in the SEC. But what it's going to do for softball... Is going to be awesome. Is the arms race just got kicked into super high, high gear. gear. Yep. Because... You know, the administration at Alabama and Florida and Texas A&M. What are uh, we going to do? We got to keep up, don't we? Right. And they're going to have to keep up. Right. Or they're now going to be playing for third place in In the conference in the 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 country. Yeah. And for some of the schools in the SEC that don't have quite the same financial support that uh, some of the others do, uh, it's going to be a real challenge for them to be able to keep up with the Joneses now. So I think it's. Tori, I think that they can. If they choose to, right, and and so they're they're going to have to choose to, or they're, or they'll they'll be fighting it out for thirteenth and fourteenth and fifteenth place in the conference every right? year. I just have so much respect and admiration. Now, I've always been the person when somebody is really good, I never think about it like, well, you know, this game was boring. I watched that game last night when it was uh, two to nothing Texas, and I was just chomping at the bit, just waiting to see can they come back, when will they come back, what are they going to do, and then to see them. You know, turn it around, you know, tie the game up, you know, then have a big inning and take the lead, then have another big inning and kind of salt it away. Final score ended up being 10 to 5, but it was 10 to 2 in the last inning. And then uh, uh, one of Texas's star players hit a home run uh, and, and made it seem a little bit closer than it was. But to me, that was exciting. You know, now I loved when UConn women's basketball had that whatever, you know, 100 and whatever game winning streak. You know, I loved when 
you know, Penn State was dominating in women's volleyball, you know, back in the day, you know, when UCLA basketball was winning the national championship every year. Now, I was a young kid back then, but I can remember, you know, with admiration thinking, oh my gosh, that's like 10 in a row. How, how amazing is that? So to me, I think it's exciting to see somebody raise the bar and to, to set a, sta- a standard that everybody else has to chase after. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this all responds. So uh, back to uh, Chrissy's original question, is it bad for college ball? I don't think it's bad at all. Now, so you're going to have some casual fans, some people that are going to turn on the game and go, 10 to 2, I'm not watching that. But they're missing the boat. And the, if they didn't watch that game, they missed all kinds of amazing stuff. I mean, Texas lost the game and still turned three or four double plays, and a couple of them looked like every bit as good as you would see if you were watching Major League Baseball team playing. Well, and Tori, I think, do you think that the, I think possibly all the, the TV recognition and everything that's happening with the, the viewership helped support and, and push some of this uh, excitement and furthering the sport for us. I think yep. this is good, so everybody needs to keep watching. Yeah, and the bottom line is, Somebody else is going to rise to the top and challenge Oklahoma, whether it's next year, two years, or three years, or whatever from now. I mean, Oklahoma has a great bunch of players that are graduating. You know, they're you know, obviously Jocelyn Allo and uh, um, their shortstop Grace Lyons, and uh, you know, just a bunch of their players are finishing their college careers with another national championship. So they're going to have to bring in some new faces, but. They're just so loaded. I mean, they, they have you know former All-Americans sitting in the dugout that can't get in the starting lineup. They have players that were World Series MVP one year ago or you know or, or rock stars a year ago that, that can't crack the starting lineup. Let, and, and let's sit and watch how the NIL, you know, some of these, the, the portal, some of these things all kind of play into what happens here next. Yeah, well, yeah. but the, the reality of it is, uh, you know, I wrote that uh, blog a little bit ago about uh, the the portal, who's coming out on the right side? You know, so many of these kids left one school to go to another because they wanted to win a national championship. Well, I tell you who it's working out for is all these kids that choose Oklahoma, right? The girl from uh, Oregon that that went there, uh, Brito, Hope Troutwine. Between those, if somebody wanted to invest in it, they could pull kids away, maybe. It'd take a big investment, maybe, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see how we'll we'll see if if anybody's really going to be in a position where they can pull one of those players away from Oklahoma. Right, I would be pretty surprised to see it happen. So, and if it does, it's not going to be because they're they're going to get better coaching or better no. facilities or no, better competition or it, anything else. It's the money, yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. So Chrissy, I appreciate you sending the question. I would say without a shadow of a doubt that you know we've had dominant teams in the past, we'll have dominant teams in the future. I think Oklahoma's not going anywhere anytime soon. They're going to be the number one ranked team in the nation next year at the start of the year, and they're going to be really good again, but now somebody else is going to have to raise their game. They're going to have to step up to the challenge. I'm excited to see, Tori. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So, you know, uh, back a few months ago, we talked about this college season. We were both really just excited to see it all come together. Yeah. And Honestly, watching that last out last night, I kind of had this like almost like sad feeling, like oh man, it's over. <laughs> it's over this year. It's like like a like a sad feeling that it's you know, that we're all done with the, with the college season. But it lived up to the expectations. There was so much great softball, so totally. many great softball players, new faces, new yeah. groups, and it was yep. just a, a a ton of fun. So make sure you uh, rest up a little bit here over the summer, college softball fans, because the next year and next uh, round of fun is just around the corner. It'll be here soon. Yeah. All right, Don. So our coaching tip of the week. Coaches, here's something that uh, the College World Series should have taught all of us. 
So everybody has seen the clip of the Oklahoma State-Texas game, where Oklahoma State had the unfortunate perfect storm of craziness that happened on one play, where they basically had one of those bad news bearers kinds of plays, where a couple of errors led to three runs for Texas and basically totally swung the momentum of the game, and Texas ended up winning and getting the chance to advance to the championship series. Here's what I I wanted us to talk about this today, because I have the utmost respect and admiration for what uh, Coach Gajewski's doing with the Oklahoma State team. And we talked last week about how impressed we were with how good they are at playing the game of softball, the way that they use the short game, the skills, the uh, athletic ability, the talent of the players. The moral to the story is for all of us coaches is no matter how hard you work, no matter how good you are, no matter how talented your team is, we never know for sure how things are going to go when the pressure's on. But the one thing I will say is if we keep doing things the right way and keep trying to play the game the right way, ultimately I think you come out ahead. And so in that situation, did we have a couple of errors? Yes. But did we have some errors because we also were trying to do things aggressively and trying to play the game hard and trying to do things to help us win? I think that was what I saw. I saw a team that was doing things that would win them the game. It just didn't work out in that one situation. You know, a, a throw that was the right throw to get that runner out, but because the throw was off a little bit, it ends up rolling all the way out to the outfield and ends up turning a, a single to right field into a two-error little league home run. Well, that's the exciting thing, Tori, about competition is you just never know. And, you know, like you said, we train, we work, we try and do all the little things right. But that's why we got to play the game is because when mistakes are made, at critical times like that, it, it just changes the momentum and it can change the outcome. And that's the exciting part to me about competition. And you like to see things work out perfectly and you like, like to see everything go the way that they should go. But, uh, you know, whether you're watching professional athletics or high-end college ball or youth sports, you know, when those mistakes are made in an untimely way, it always seems to hurt the most right. when, when we do make those mistakes, right? Right. And, and so the, the moral to the story about uh, what happened in that game is that, you know, even great players can make mistakes, yeah. but if we, um, as coaches, instill in our players this confidence and willingness to play the game aggressively, to try to do things that are going to help you win, instead of playing scared, instead of playing afraid, instead of holding on to the ball because I might throw it away, I would hope that the player who threw that ball away would throw it a thousand times. If she gets a thousand more chances in her career, I hope she throws it every single time. Because the next big time will be amazing. And and my guess is that she's going to get the out probably 95%. And if we're thinking about the percentages, if we're not going to do something because it might go wrong 5% of the time, or we're going to do something because it could go right, could be great 95% of the time, I don't think it's a hard choice to make. So if you hold it, it's never going to happen, right. right? But unfortunately, what happens in this situation is, you know, you know, there's memes and stuff all over the internet and stuff now of, you know, of that situation and that play. And people are going to try to turn it into the, well, see, that's what happens when, if you're too aggressive, if you, if you don't play cautiously, if you don't, you know, play it safe, bad things can happen. Well, of course, bad things can happen if you, if, if you play, if you live your whole life playing it safe, cutting down the likelihood that bad things are going to happen. We're not going to see amazing. But you're never going to see amazing. And that, to me, is why I have so much admiration for what Oklahoma State's done and what they're building. 
and I hope they keep playing with that same aggressive, I know I can make this play attitude. That one hurt. There's no doubt about it. It, it, it stings. It you know, just kind of cast a shadow over the whole rest of the game because they still had a couple of more chances to hit, but you could tell that it was just like... It hurt. Yeah, that dark storm cloud was just kind of hanging over the field all of a sudden with that, but... You got to play play to win, don't play to not lose. Right, right. And, and even when you do things the right way, doesn't always work out your your way. Stuff can still happen, and, and great players do still make mistakes periodically. So, but coaches, instill that attitude in your players that they can get it done. We have faith in them. We want them to play aggressively. We want them to, to make plays. We, we, we want them to do things that are going to give us a chance to be amazing. Awesome. All right, so Don, that's going to wrap up episode number 220. As always, please make sure you support our sponsors, Anderson Bat Company, Elite Sporting Goods, and Pinnacle Power Butter. Go to the fastpitchprep.com website to order your Square Cuts training discs, and also to uh, have access to the blogs and the YouTube channel. Please make sure you send your nominations for Player of the Week to everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com, either one of those email addresses, a few particulars about why you want that player nominated, or also to make suggestions about topics and and listener questions. Uh, This is a couple of weeks in a row now that we've had a lot of interaction with listeners and been able to talk about stuff that's interesting that they're to them. Into. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so we really do appreciate that. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.